Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And I'm hot. I'm coming in hot. I just, there, there's days where the insanity out there just gets to you. You know, I, it, it just the, the pure insanity of the world that we live in, markets included, it, 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 is, it is hilarious to watch the commodity space get pounded harder the higher the inflation numbers come out, right? So go look at when inflation really started ramping and then go look at commodity prices. They've moved inversely to each other. Now, I know that there's reasons out there because people are, you know, Fed's hiking rates and, you know, that means lower commodity, but it doesn't really mean lower prices on tech, <laughs> that that's and 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 these are one of the and we'll see the way it plays out guys nobody's got a crystal ball myself included but that's why i just think that there's so much pain left in this market you you've got you've got the, the economy still dealing with uh um you know probably as a percentage certainly the most aggressive rate hikes in history you know coming from zero it's kind of hard not to be um and then you get a day like today, though, where the Fed comes out and, and right, they're trying to curtail inflation. They're raising rates. They're saying, we're not going to let this get out of hand. Then they also come out today and say, well, you know, the market is now pricing in a hundred basis point, hundred, hundred or a one percent hike in the next one. And that's just, there's no basis for that. So the reason they're saying that is trying to stabilize stock markets, right? So they want to raise rates. They want to tamp out inflation, but they don't want prices to fall. Not stock prices, just commodity prices, right? It just, I mean, talk about a ridiculous and futile effort of trying to thread a needle. And at the same time, despite sitting there saying, we don't look at markets, we don't look at asset price. I mean, come on. Are you trying to stamp out inflation or not, right? And if you are, the stuff that is the most ridiculously overheated is the stuff that should be getting past. It's just... And then, and then I see, I see a headline out today. Bank of America slashes their S&P target. Well, isn't that a bold move, right? Way, <laughs> way, way to anticipate it, right? And I, I, who knows? I don't even want to look at it. I think that their estimate was 4,800 on the S&P by the end of the year. And you're looking at them going, so you're, you, so what you're telling me is that and, and now they're calling for a mild recession. We're in a bloody recession. I, I just, I, I, it's like the whole world is taking crazy pills, right? You, you, you raise rates this quickly and I get why they do it. People are like, oh, now you're against raising rates. No, I'm just against the fact that we came into this year as zero or when, maybe the first hike was last year. Like, well, who cares, right? I'm, I, I, what I'm against and what I'm still ticked about is that you let 0% rates and quantitative easing and operation twist and corporate bond buying in the pandemic, which was illegal. You've done all this nonsense for 15 years, and now you think you can just aggressively hike whenever you want without blowing up the economy. Good luck. Good luck. How do you not understand this? I... People are like, well, they all, it's all intentional. They mean it. Look, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I will be honest with you. The, the amount of chicanery and nonsense that you hear coming from government officials, I certainly understand why there is that whole conspiracy theory side of it, that this, they're trying to unravel the economy and it's the great reset. And, and then these people have said that. So, I mean, there's an element, of course, that is true, but... Um, one of the thing, and we've mentioned this before on the show. What, I think one of the biggest things that gives rise to so many of these conspiracy theories is the fact that none of this makes any sense, right? I mean, you're just grasping at straws here, trying to figure out what in the world you're attempting to do here. 
you know, on a government basis, on a, you know, Federal Reserve, central banking basis. And then the other thing is you sit there and scratch your head looking at financial markets going, wait a second. So uh, now higher inflation rates means that tech stabilizes and the Nasdaq finds its footing and commodities get smoked. I, it's just the, the, the stupidity of it all is just exhausting. It, 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 it really is. It's just exhausting. It's just the, the nonsense. It, it's, it, you know, navigating these things and, and, and trying to work through it. It's, it's like trying to have a really deep philosophical debate with a six-year-old. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, you're just going to go round and round in circles and just bake your own brain. Uh, and, and truthfully, that's a knock to the six-year-olds out there because quite honestly, I think that if you replaced a lot of our elected officials with some good, sensible six-year-olds, I mean, I know my seven-year-old could probably do a better job at running things. Of course, that's not saying a lot, you know. Um, anyway, as, far, for, as, as for the rest of the market update, guys, this is exactly what we were talking about. And I know there's some oil and commodity loyalists that were like, it can't, it can't, it can't. Um, you know, this is why we hedge. This is why we hedge. We've been hit a little bit. Basically, we've kind of just gone back and forth over the last week and a half or so. But, uh, this is what you have to be ready for. And, and investing, this is the other reason why we prepared so many of our clients. And we said, Hey guys, we're going into a period of time where now look, our job is to create returns and to protect capital. So I'm not saying that the balance of your account doesn't matter. What I'm saying is on an individual security basis, expect there to be less and less rationale behind uh, asset prices and asset price moves. Just expect there to be an increasingly amount, an increasing amount of just nonsensical action. Right. So as inflation prints come out hotter, it does not surprise me. I think it's funny. I think it's a perfect illustration of how backwards and ridiculous and detached from reality everything is. But I also find something there's a philosophical aspect of this because in investing. Right. And there's and there's many, many ways to do this. But on the fundamental side of investing, what you want to do is you want to buy an asset or a company or a set of assets that are deeply undervalued, right? But but let's focus on that word value. Does this surprise you that valuations are so ridiculously skewed? Where if you look, okay, so we step back, look at tech right now. The NASDAQ of the three major indexes is still by far and away the most expensive and the most underpriced and lowest valuation assets out there are are still commodity stocks, mostly energy. Right? Does that does that really surprise you in this world that the value is placed in completely the wrong area? And it's one of the things that fascinates me about financial markets and always has. And we've spoken about this on the show before. It's that it's that 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 uh, what do you call that? That feedback loop, right? From culture to to financial markets because there very much is right because financial markets have a lot to do with personal household wealth right consumer uh, you know consumer wealth and so there's obviously a big feedback loop there between markets but i think one of the biggest things is that you it's that lack of being able to identify value right that is so rampant in the culture today and is so rampant in markets and if you think this is the way it's going to stay, you've got another thing coming. It's not. Value always gets recognized. Usually it's a very painful process. And I have, there's nothing that, there's nothing that makes me believe that this time will be any different. But to watch these commodity stocks get smoked, when you're looking at the most profitable sector in the S&P 500 this year, and it's not even close. And the the stocks, meanwhile, that are finding their footing, I mean, they're still trading, bumping right around the bottom of this year. So it's not like they're doing great. But then you turn your eye to the NASDAQ, the most ridiculously overpriced, I mean, just the home of all the nonsense. And it is still trading at the highest valuation. Everybody's climbing over each other to buy the dip. I, it, 
People are like, oh, does that mean you don't own any tech? Does that mean you? No, I mean, it's you guys know. I mean, our perform. I think we're, I don't know, I think we're outperforming this year by 14%. It's not like sour grapes. I'm not griping about the fact that, you know, that the things I think should be going up aren't. I'm griping about the complete disconnect from balance sheets, income statements. You know, again, we'll go back to the markets here. I mean, guys, if you think this is as bad as it can get, and in this insane environment, that one caveat I'm always going to throw in there is, will I sit here on the radio and tell you it's impossible for the markets to bounce back this year? At any other period of time in history, I would have said it's absolutely impossible. In this period, because no one cares about value. Right. It gets back to our point. So if nobody cares about value, this is simply a game of chasing a chart. Now, do I think markets will end up substantially higher than they are by the end? No, I think I think to make that assertion is ridiculous. And why? Let well, let's go back to the five horsemen of the apocalypse. They're still they're like, Zach, there's been a big pullback in oil. Not really. I mean, what are you you're bumping around 115? Now you're down to 90. Um and we, I've said on the show many times, guys, I wouldn't be shocked to see oil go to 70. We're half the way, we're halfway there, right? I think the biggest thing hitting oil right now is the dollar. Dollar index continues to make a new high. It hit 109.16 today. Remember, I told you guys, when the dollar index gets above 105, things around the world start breaking. Okay, you pull up that chart of the dollar, man, it is just skyrocketing. And again, People are like, well, Zach, but inflation, it has nothing to do with inflation. What it has to do with is financial stress. Okay. Financial stress around the world. That's what this is. And the other reason why I said, I don't think oil's gotten hit that bad is when you look at what's happened for, to the dollar and the fact that oil's still at 90, 92, that's unbelievable. And no, 94, 94, 22 as of right now, that's unbelievable. People are like, oh, oil's getting smashed. No, it's not. I mean, we, again, when you compare it to the dollar, when you look at the surge in the dollar and the drop in oil, it's, it's, it's about offsetting. And, and that's the thing that's, I think, kind of funny about what the Fed's trying to do right now, because if they succeed to continue to be able to push down commodity prices, and I think it's in the interim, remember, you're still running the biggest strategic petroleum reserve release ever. You're, you're, you're now selling millions of barrels of oil to sworn enemies. Because, again, you're just panicked. You're trying to get down, right? And, and again, I'm not, making, I'm not making a political statement here. But, I mean, I think it's very easy to see what's going on. As the Biden administration has said, the number one thing that we've got to try to do but prior to the midterms is get commodity prices under control. And we'll do it at any cost. And like a good buddy of mine said, I go, yeah, but he's going to blow up the stock market. And that's going to tick a lot of people off. And he goes, you know. We all know this. The vast majority of wealth is held in the fewest hands ever. So those hits to the stock market impact a much smaller amount of people than they traditionally have. I mean, they, have, they, they impact us all. But I'm just saying, you know, the average guy out there is going to be hit a lot harder by much higher commodity prices, specifically oil and energy. Right. That's going to impact every household. That's going to impact every family. So, I mean, I think it's just kind of picking in their, from their, from their side of it, I think it's just kind of picking the lesser of two evils, right? Picking the thing that is the most politi politically expedient. And, uh, you know, I think getting commodity prices, again, specifically energy under control is the number one priority. Um, it's just, it's just incredible. There's these days where I've referred to it as opposed or in the past as a crap market. I just don't know that I've ever seen a period of time where across the board asset valuations had less to do with fundamentals. I mean, it's just, and I was saying this three years ago and it was true three years ago. It just keeps getting crazier. Now, the only thing I think that makes sense this year is that asset prices as it relates to stock markets are lower. That should happen. But you haven't even started factoring in the impacts of recession. This drop you've had on the NASDAQ, again, it's just a normalization of higher rates. And what have we been telling you for years, guys? Rates go up, profits go down, earnings go down, multiples go down. That's just what happens. So that's all you've priced in. You've just made the craziest sector of the market just less crazy. But not really, right? Because you've got higher rates. So it's kind of like... Yeah, NASDAQ's down 28, 29% on the year, whatever it is. But how much are rates gone up? 
right? That's just a normalization. This economy is still acting as if you still have, historically speaking, you've still got very high stock prices. And yet the underlying economy is just eroding. Especially as there's parts of it that aren't, right? The labor market is still pretty strong, relatively speaking. But that, that's that's because of a lot of other factors, a lot of other noise, right? The Great Resignation. And then a lot of it, too, is just pressure with, with baby boomers leaving, you know, um, you know, I think they're wrapping a lot of this up in, quote, unquote, the Great Resignation. But a lot of it is just baby boomers retiring. Uh, so, you know, I again, I just you look at this setup and I just it's just crazy. That nobody's, I mean, are these people, I, and they, yeah, I guess they are. They're going to have to see earnings drop. It, it's like you you look at a dollar index, you look at these companies, and like I've said before, one of the things I think is really funny is that on the way up, if you can remember, one of the biggest arguments that was made to defend the ridiculously high stock valuations of the last five to seven years, and really that's when they really started getting, I mean, they got nuts two years ago during COVID, but they've been, they've been historically elevated for quite some time. But one of the biggest reasons that was used to justify higher stock prices is that these companies are now global. Okay. Well, if that's what we use to justify it on the way up, how is it that a dollar soaring to, what is it? 23 year highs isn't slaughtering those global companies. People are like, well, what do you mean, Zach? Guys, again, I'll use J- Japan as an analogy. What is it? The yen's off 30, 35% to the dollar. A lot of currencies around the world are off way worse. What does that mean? That means they're going to buy less stuff from these companies. Their earnings are going down. At the same time, their cost of labor, their wor- cost to employ people is going up. Input costs going up. I mean, it's just, a, it's a nightmare for earnings. So you're looking at a market here that hasn't even begun to factor that in. It's just, it's madness. You know, go look at the price of gold, right? If I would have told you we were looking at uh, uh, <laughs> inflation at 23-year highs and the price of gold would be off 15%, would you believe it? It's just, it's just crazy. Well, and, and to be fair to those people out there, I mean, I think what's happening to the price of gold is a big reflection of what's happening to the dollar. Right. And the dollar and gold rallied together for a while, which didn't surprise us. But when you see the dollar spiking like this, it's it, it would be I mean, I I actually think gold has behaved incredibly well and has been uh, incredibly strong up until this point, considering the run up in the dollar. Right. Because there's so much knee jerk reaction out there in terms of the dollar going up and people are just going to sell gold. So but. Guys, I, I mean, I just, we're still in crazy town. I mean, this is just, and it gets crazier by the day. Um, you know, the Fed coming out and saying, taking a hundred basis point hike off the table. Why? Why is that so different than 75 basis points? It, it's, it's just because they're trying to thread the needle. They're trying to support stock prices. Oh, what a mess. Anyway, as always, guys. If you recognize in this market that just buying and holding stocks is probably not a great idea and you recognize all the issues out there and you see how overpriced markets are and how irrational price movements are, you, hopefully you're coming to a realization that you need to know how to manage risk. You need somebody that isn't just going to sit there and tell you when your account is down 50% to write it out. Right, Because this isn't going to be your typical recession in the sense that we're going to go through a rough 12 to 16 months and then things are going to bounce back and you're going to be thrilled that you held on. You're looking at long-running issues here, running issues that I think are going to nag us for a long time. By long time, I'm not saying 25 years. I mean, who knows? It's possible. It's occurred in the past. But I'm just saying, like, if, you, if you're not yet convinced that you need some risk management, I, I don't really know what you're thinking. Right. You're in the vast majority of you. Your risk management strategy is owning bonds. How's that worked for you? Anyway, guys, there's such a better way. There is a way that we can give you way more upside, way less downside and save you money and fees at the exact same time where you could be sitting there looking at a portfolio that's down three, three and a half, four percent or something this year. Just a minor blip, right? Like a bad week. No big deal. That's the way a retirement portfolio should behave. And if that's not the way yours is behaving, guys, give us a call. 
I mean, do, give us a call or call somebody or or admit to yourself that what you're really waiting for is just to be down more. Okay, there's two types of people in this world: the people that re, that act in anticipation of pain, and the people that act in the real at the realization of pain. Don't be the second guy. You know what's coming. Come on, look at it. Don't sit there and listen. Well, just hold on. We see a big rebound coming. Based on what? Based on what? What if the Fed's telling you? What are they? They're going to keep raising rates to stamp out inflation. Guess what that means. That means recession. We're in one. In real terms, we're in one. That's why I laugh so hard to see Bank of America come out Bank of America come out and say, well, we think we're going to go through a mild recession. Really? Mild? Okay. Again, just somebody please explain to me how these multinational companies are going to maintain earnings levels with a dollar soaring the way it is. Just run me through that. I'd love to see the math. Input costs going through the roof. I, and that's what's so funny. Watching a lot of these, <laughs> I continue to laugh at some of the old holdings we have on the energy side of things. These stocks are getting obliterated, which thank goodness we've hedged them. But they're getting obliterated as if they're just they're, they're going to declare bankruptcy. And for most of these companies, their production is hedged. They, this pullback in oil has not equated to a single dollar less in profit they're going to make. And it just goes to that value statement again. I just don't know as a culture, certainly not as a market, where we've been more blind to real value, where we've been more disconnected from real value. I, I just, again, as a culture, as a market, as an economy, it's just it's just startling. And again, it, guys, it's not, it's not sour grapes. I'm not frustrated that the stuff, I mean, like I said, we're outperforming. But you're just looking at this going, you're watching the prices of these things move and you go, I know, I know for a fact you're not looking at fundamentals at all on either side of it. Buying the dip in tech while you're selling, you know, going short or selling off commodities, you're not even paying attention to the bottom line. And that's another weird aspect of this market that I think is kind of a, a byproduct of so much, you know, financialization, but also of the ETF boom is that. Market movements are now what moves markets. Nobody's paying attention to the underlying fundamentals. Why are you buying tech? Well, because the NASDAQ just made a bull flag here on the chart. And why are you selling? Well, look at the look at the chart of crude oil. It's made a bear. And go, hey, at any point, did you read a financial statement or an income? Nope. Nope. Just follow the charts. Okay. Well, that'll work. That's always works. Right? Just disavow yourself of the fundamentals. <laughs> Anyway, but if you have if you've come to that realization that look in this in this crapshoot of a market that you need some risk management, give us a call, guys. 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. 
What does outside-the-box investing really look like? Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management, and see a side-by-side comparison of your current portfolio versus one Zach would recommend. Schedule your free risk review at knowyourriskradio.com. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Little uh, little tidbit I was just reading about during the break here was uh, the brilliant folks that we've got in charge right now. And again, guys, if political statements, if you think that's a political statement, it's not. I mean, I think that all I would hope that all people that have a basic semblance of rationale and reasoning would be able to come to the conclusion that we've got some serious feckless and completely incapable leadership. And I'm not signaling out one person or even one party. Um, you know, I mean, to flip it around, if you think that I'm just beating up on, on Democrats or the left or whatever, you know, then you see guys like Mitch McConnell walking lockstep on some of these things too. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and I, okay, so what I was reading about during the break was that the Biden administration, and, and there's been talk of this, it's not news per se, but uh, the Biden administration is actively working to get back into the Iranian nuclear agreement. Despite the fact, now despite the fact that there's so many in the area that applauded the exit of that agreement, or the termination of that agreement because of what they saw happening. Um, why is Biden getting back into it? I don't know. We could make, we could make guess. I just, the whole, the whole thing on the face of it always seems so contrived to me just because there was so little ability to, to verify or have oversight into if the Iranians were holding up their end of the deal and they don't exactly have the best track record, right? Um, what I think, and this goes right into a question that I got from a listener. Um, and actually, I believe it's a client, although I can't. They sent it to me via Twitter. And they don't have their real name on their, um, on their Twitter account. So, so I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure who it was. But they wanted me to speak to Biden visiting Saudi Arabia. Um, so I, I'm, you could make the argument that I'm looking at these pieces of data, right? The fact that he's going and meeting with MBS, even though he said he wouldn't, the fact that he's trying to ramp up the Iranian nuclear agreement again, even though it was completely feckless and it, it, it was headline diplomacy, right? In my opinion. And again, I'm not signaling the Obama administration out or anybody else. Both parties do this. But what, what, what do I mean by headline diplomacy? It, it's stuff that looks good in a newsreel. And you can sit there and say, peace in our time, right? We brought the nuclear, the Iranians back to the table. You know, you can say it. And then you look at the underlying stuff, you know, the underlying details of the deal. And there's, there's no oversight. There's no, right, there's, there's no enforcement per se. And, and so you're just sort of taking the handcuffs off somebody that's referred to you as the great Satan and that is sworn to erase an ally of ours off the face of the map in Israel. And not to mention the fact there are a lot of other Muslim countries in the area that were, were really glad that we did away with it in the first place. So it's really apolitical, but it's just, it, it, in my opinion, is headline diplomacy. It's news cycle diplomacy. It's diplomacy that, if anything, I think can just have negative impacts. But getting back to that question I was asked about why would Biden be visiting Saudi Arabia? And I think it, 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 it goes right into this same topic, too. Why is he trying to re, reenter the Iranian nuclear agreement? Um, now, you could say that this is me just looking through my black colored glasses. <laughs> and by black, I'm speaking about oil. Texas tea, black gold, right? What was it? What was it? The uh, black gold and Texas tea. I forget. What is, what, I, I'm just blanking right now on that show. Anyway, 
Um, what, what I think, though, is I think it's just proof um, that our thesis in the way that we're seeing oil currently is correct. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that I think that he's pulling every single lever he thinks that he can. I think he's just pulling every lever he can, hoping that it has a good impact. I mean, like, why would you be reengaging the Iranians right now on this issue if you didn't want, if there wasn't a quid pro quo to it? The, the, the issue I have is when I listen to what comes out of the administration and how complete now, maybe it's purposeful. Maybe it's all about climate change and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's purposeful. But when I hear a lot of the nonsense that comes out of them specifically on this, on this topic, energy, oil, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and we talked a couple weeks, what was it last week or the week before we talked about how, where, where we could overhear the conversation between Macron and Biden. I, I just don't think these people have an understanding of the way this market works. I think that the, you've, they've surrounded themselves and they've inundated themselves with academics and political folks, and they have very little understanding of how free markets work. Um, and, 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 and again, this isn't me beating them up. This is just an observation. If we take them at face value regarding what they say, as it relates to energy, you, you, you either have to say they're lying or they don't know what they're talking about. So rather than assume they're disingenuous, which to me is worse, right? That's saying that you're a bad person. So I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm going to, I'm going to take them at their word. I'm going to think that that's what they really think. As ridiculous as it is, I, I'm going to take them at their words that they think that oil companies are price gouging people. I'm going to take them at their word that they think refineries are sticking it to people. I'm going to take them at their word that they think that Russia invading Ukraine is the genesis of all this inflation. I'm going to take them at their word. And when, and, and the funny thing is, is when you look through it at that lens, it kind of starts to make sense, Right. Why is he going to Saudi Arabia when there is no there is no uh, uh, excess capacity? There is no reserve capacity that they can turn on. And, and those aren't my words, guys. Those are the words of Emmanuel Macron, president of France. Right. Why is he reengaging the Iranians on the nuclear uh, on the nuclear deal? Why is he trying to get us reengaged in that nuclear deal, even though we all know it's feckless? And that there's no way for oversight. I think he's probably hope, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Iranians were sitting there saying they could bring on new excess capacity. But what they don't get, and again, I'm taking them at their word, what they don't get is this is not a light switch type issue. And what you're going to go do is you're going to go prostrate yourself in front of these other, you know, dictatorial regimes. And, and you're going to get stiffed. You're going to end up doing like so many times before you're going to give concessions on your part and they're promising to pay you with something that they don't have. I mean, that, and, and look, if I'm wrong on that assessment down the road, I will come out and, and, and admit it because I, I admittedly I'm reading the tea leaves here, trying to come up, trying to make sense of this and, and, and some order in it. But, you know, that's a great question. Why is he planning on going to Saudi Arabia to meet MBS? Because he thinks that they can help with the oil situation. What does this also tell you? I think it tells you that the oil situation is just as acute as we've been saying, regardless of this pullback in, in, in demand. And then the other thing I think that we talked about recently, and it's hard for me to remember, guys, sometimes because I have these conversations in-house, you know, uh, here at Bulwark with our people. I have these conversations with clients. So maybe we already hit on this. But I think one of the most interesting things is if you look at this price surge in, in commodities and oil, this has basically taken place the entire time with China essentially on the sidelines with big portions of their economy still in lockdown. And I continue to stand by the, by the statement that I think that these are not COVID lockdowns, that these are commodity lockdowns. And that's what's so interesting to me that – yeah, if 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 the VAT, you know, if if traditional things were in play, if this was 30 years ago and the U.S. was going into recession, 
right? The pullback in the price of oil makes a lot of sense. But while we're showing recessionary signs, China's starting to step on the easing again, and they're unlocking their economy. So that Chinese demand comes right back online. Let's see where oil prices are when that happens. And it's in the process of happening right now. But what I think all this means to answer that, that, fault, that listener and also uh, uh, client is I just I, I think it points to two things. I think it points to a vast misunderstanding of energy markets. And I know, look, I look, I I don't say that arrogantly. It's shocking to me. It's shocking to me that there aren't people. You would think that there would be people there. That, and, you know, maybe they're spouting one thing and really thinking or doing another thing for political reasons. But like I said, we got to take them at their word. I mean, I don't have any other truth. You know, people are like, oh, you're, Zach, you're so unfair. Your political bias goes through. And I'm like, would you rather just have me call him a liar? Because one of, one of, one of those two, one of the two is true, right? They're either lying or they're completely off base with a complete misunderstanding of how global markets work or market, how market dynamics work at all, right? I, I, and, and so I just think this points to a great misunderstanding of the current issues of the industry at large. And if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, this administration in particular has really ostracized the, the energy industry, you know, and and I could be wrong. Maybe they're getting on the phone with Chevron and BP and, you know, all these other guys and, you know, having these discussions and trying to understand the way things work. But I just, I, you just don't see it. And it would be odd to me if they did, because they treat these, they, they treat these corporations like they're evil. And, and the, and the mind blower of that entire one is, and we've said this so many other times, when you look at these ESG scorings or these ESG filters, it's the energy companies that are the most commonly up there. <laughs> Why? Because they're the ones investing the most into green energy and alternative fuels. It's just, it's maddening. It's, it really is. And I think, again, what it points to is that they don't know what they're doing. And I think the other thing it points to is how acute and, and how much of a, a problem they think that oil is and more importantly that it could be. Because, again, uh, you know, I'll go back to what I was saying all along. Guys, oil's at 94. I mean, that, that's not high. Now, distillates are more expensive, right? I know that, it, that diesel is still really expensive and nat gas is still really expensive as it's compared to prices in the last 15 years. Historically, nat gas is still cheap. I mean, you're tra- I mean, I know things are completely different now because of shale and all these other things. But remember, prior to 07, I want to say nat gas was trading at like 13, th- 13 bucks, something like that. Now you're like 695 or 650 somewhere in there. Um, so I, what that leads me to believe is you look, I mean, oil was at 110 in 2014 and nobody was freaking out. Now you're at 94. What I think it, what I think it points to is the acute nature of the issue, how ridiculously underinvested it is. And I kind of see the current administration is doing something similar to what the fed is currently trying to do, have their cake and eat it too. Right. They they want to do everything they can to, quote unquote, transition to renewables, even though they're not there, even though the technology doesn't exist, even though it's going to cause massive problems like it is in places already all around the world. It's like it is in Europe, how it puts more power in the hands of the people that we don't want power in the hands of. Right. And meanwhile, it doesn't fix the issue because here in the United States and in Western, you know, Western countries in general, Europe. We can, we can continue to cut emissions. It doesn't matter if China and India do not come online. It's just, it's just madness. It's just idiocy. Like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, you know, they, everybody's like applauding, oh, the great Europe and, and, and the U.S., they're going to, you know, put $600 billion to work in the, you know, renewable energy. If you were really trying to clean up the climate, why wouldn't you dictate that $600 billion investment to India? I, I mean, they're not even doing a good job at accomplishing some of the ridiculous things that are un, uh, that are unachievable. They're not even doing a good job of of those. 
it just I, like I said, I, I just don't think that we've ever seen a period of time where market participants, markets in general, culture, uh, government, all the I don't think there's ever been a time where there has been a bigger lack of value or the understanding of value. And it's really shocking and really and it's and it's scary. The other reason it's scary is just because not done just the financial ramifications, but the cultural ramifications. I mean, because if they and it's just what it is, guys, if they go down this path, it's going to be ugly. And they they seem very determined to do it. So where does that leave us? I don't know. Where's the good news in all this? Well, the good news in all this, is I think if you've missed out on the commodity boom, you're getting a second crack at it because none of the underlying fundamentals have changed. And, and we all know, I mean, again, I, I don't know for sure, but based on, you know, recent history, I think that the Fed is tightening way too quick and way overestimating the resiliency of the, of the economy, the resilience of the economy. Uh, and so what will that lead to? That will lead to cuts, right? They'll start cutting rates again. They will resume in quantitative easing. I've said it for years. I don't think that whenever you start this process, and I think Japan is a perfect test case, when you start this process of printing money and manufacturing financial climate, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're artificially suppressing rates. When, when you start engaging in these practices, you don't get out of them. Right? Because getting out of them, the longer you do it, the more, you know, the more addicted, if you will, right? The more dependent markets become on it. Therefore, getting off of it ushers in even more pain than you were trying to avoid in the first place. Right? Getting off of the medication, the printed money, the quantitative easing give, ushers in more pain than had you not done it in the first place. So why would you do it? They won't. They won't. This is a pause in money printing, right? This is a pause in balance sheet, in, in building up the Federal, Federal Reserve's balance sheet. They're going to be right back to the spigot. And that's kind of what we've been looking at is saying, look, we're going to have to endure this period right now. We're going to have to watch the price of these stocks get absolutely obliterated, even though we know that their earnings and expected earnings haven't dropped by a dime. We're just going to have to ride it out because in my opinion, the real party doesn't get started until the fed has to reverse course. And then I think, and again, this is me reading the tea leaves. So if we're wrong about this assessment, we'll be the first to come out and play. But if you're like, well, what happens next? I'll tell you what happens next. They start printing again. That to me is going to be the real test. That to me is when we will experience the real inflation. Right. And I'm not saying it's going to stay at 9.1 or accelerate to 10. What I'm saying is I think that that will usher in a moment when the market wakes up and realizes, okay, we are on this boat and we're not getting off. Right. This is the new reality. And then when the market has that realization or that comeuppance, if you will, that to me is when these things will start reflecting financial reality. Right. Because they just it will be what it is at that point. Um, so to so getting back to answering that question, I just think that this is a pure I think this is a pure. Uh, you know, I, I think it's incompetence, but I think it also is illustrative of what we've been saying is that these shortages, these commodity shortages, these energy shortages are historically acute. And remember, every single day, every dollar that you watch oil drop in price is less investment that is taking place. And that's what you need, right? That's what you need to get us back into a balanced market. So, I, you know, that, that pretty much, in my opinion, that pretty much sums it up. Now, I'll go back to this again. If you do not have this type of thinking, guys, if you don't have this type of planning and this type of setup going into the way that your finances and your investments are managed, you need to. We're, we're just we're entering a different period. The ways that have worked over the last 15, 20, and, and even for the broader part, last 40 years, it's just not going to work. And it, well, how do you know that, Zach? Well, do you, do you think we're going into an inflationary environment or not? 
and they're like, well, you know, yeah, we're in it right now. Well, that's not the way these things usually work. Like I said, what is the Fed doing right now to quote unquote tamp down inflation? They're doing things that make the economy basically dysfunctional. Right. So if, if, if they could hold these moves, if they could hold these rates and just reprice higher, right, usher back in real rates w- without catastrophic impact, then, yeah, you could just sit there and go, oh, it was a short term blip and they'll get it figured out. Da, da, da. But to do that, you've got to have just an immense amount of faith that these people know what they're doing. And history, if it's any indicator, it says that they don't. The other thing you've got to believe is that free market forces aren't going to break loose at some point. And they always do. They always do. Right? I mean, we got to stop the production of oil. Well, what does oil go into? What does that, what does that translate to? What does that mean? Um, it's just, it's insanity and it makes your head hurt. And watching markets, they reflect this insanity. Whew. But if you, again, if you don't have this thinking involved in your portfolio and if you don't think you need it, best of luck to you, but you do. How do you know? Again, just go look at historical, I mean, go look at other periods of inflation. Go look at the 70s. These these issues do not iron themselves out, especially when you're not doing any of the things that you need to do to to address the problems. And I I don't think it's the end of the world. I just think you're you're going into an inflationary period of time. And then this whole push toward green energy and renewables and everything, it's just going to be constant pressure and a foot on the neck of real commodities and energy prices. I mean, it just is what it is. And you need a different approach. You need a defensive strategy, something other than bonds, for crying out loud. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Guys, and we're not the only people in town but go research it. There's, there's, there, there's a lot fewer of us that actually do this type of research and think this way and manage risk and manage portfolios in an active basis. Okay, but, but they are out there. We're not the only ones out there. And like I've said, this isn't just about driving business to us. We really want to help people, give people the right steer. There are other firms out there that can do it too that have good track records, go find them. It's not about saying we're going to abandon this and go to that. It's, it's about recognizing the environment we're in. And remember, inflation and higher rates are like gravity, right? You have the reinstituting of gravity into the financial markets. Therefore, you need to have people managing your money that understand those dynamics, that have an answer other than let's put your money in the S&P 500 and hold on, Right? If, if that has not become crystal clear to you, I don't think it will. Or, like I said earlier in the previous segment, it'll come clear to you only when you realize the outcome from that. Which, look, I don't, again, I don't have a crystal ball, but I just, I think it's pretty simple. It's pretty certain at this point. That approach, that, that approach that is advocated by so many asset managers out there, especially on the retail level, of just buy it and hold it and don't ever bet against America. I'm not betting against America when I say we need to be careful. I'm just sitting there saying I don't want to play, pay ridiculous, unjustifiable prices for anything in America or anywhere else. Especially when the underlying fundamentals are eroding. Right? Profits are getting compressed. Margins are getting compressed. Costs are going up. It's just a different ballgame. And that whole will just ride the escalator up and to the right. It ain't going to work. So call us, call somebody, rethink this. I'm begging you. And if you're getting hammered this year, you know it. You're sitting there going, wait a second, this isn't working. Like I said in previous deals, don't call us or another firm because you think we're going to make you more money. Call us or another firm because you realize the structure, the foundational principles underlying your current portfolio are broken. That's the realization. Every financial advisor out there is going to tell you stocks go down, bonds go up. Now you know that's not true. It hasn't been true for 15 years, and it hasn't been true for 70 of the last 100. But my whole point is saying if that bedmark, if that bedrock principle that they build your portfolio on, when did you need that defense to play out? I'll tell you, the two times you needed to play out most over the last 15 years was during the COVID drop and this year. What's it done? They've gotten smoked. 
almost as bad as stocks, in some cases worse. Recognize that it's broken. Recognize that the principle is flawed and it is wrong. Therefore, your entire portfolio is wrong. Right? If, if 60% of your portfolio is in this asset and 40% of your portfolio is in this asset and they should balance each other out and that's the argument, you're seeing this year that that's not at all the case. You saw last year as well. So that means the structure of your portfolio is wrong. Once you admit that the bedrock principle, the structure of your portfolio is wrong, the next question should be, I, or the next realization should be, I need a new portfolio. I need, I need it managed by somebody that recognizes that it's flawed and wrong. Well, we're that guy, and there's others out there. Call them or call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bowercapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Have a great weekend. We've got the club championship coming up. I'm playing with one of my employees, so wish us luck. Anyway, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. All the money printing from the Fed and long period of zero interest rates, the bills come and due, and inflation's going up. And when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been saying it for years. If you're using bonds in the old school 60-40 mix with stocks as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.